Welcome to Forever Exile, the Path of Exile podcast. I'm Justin, aka Tags. And Tyler, Wrecker of Days. And today we are joined by the one and only Zizarin. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. So can you tell me how you say your first name? Real life or? Yeah, real life. Oh, uh, shit. So it's actually, oh, wow. uh, it's actually a Norwegian name. My brother chose it. And uh, it's like the sacrificial cauldron that you would use to sacrifice like a goat. Whenever you're like sacrificing animals to the gods, you would like sacrifice it in that. Wow. <laughs> so can you say it again? Shetil. Shit. Should I try? Shetil. I feel like I'm going to. Yeah, I don't want to offend don't you. Really, you guys don't really have that sound. So like everybody here would just call me Kettle. And oh. that's what I would introduce myself to at parties and stuff. I'd be like, Kettle, it boils water. You might have heard of me. Um, <laughs> So that would be like a handy invite, but pretty much everybody calls me Ziz now. Even like my girlfriend calls me Ziz. It's literally just my parents and my grandmother that doesn't call me Ziz. Everybody else does. That's amazing. Even your girlfriend. Yep. That's awesome. I kind of like. I kind of like it more because it's like it's a name you choose yourself. The Ziz. I actually have a question for you about that because mm-hmm. I I I did some deep diving into Zizarin and I was kind of curious where Zizarin came from, but then I was also curious about. You you started off with well first off, you started off with Darkfall. That was the first thing I saw, and it made me wicked excited because I loved that game. Darkfall was one of my favorite ones. But it looked like maybe did you start with the Alanya? Was that the actual name? That yeah. You were using? So like I, I obviously had like a, a large amount of gaming names while uh, while gaming. And I've been gaming since I was five, maybe. Like the f- first game I ever played was Dune: Battle for Arrakis. Uh, came out in like 1992. Yeah. um, (laughs) Like pretty old. I'm old. Um, And then... Uh, You were two very old people, so... True. It's nice. I feel feel (laughs) at home here. I can can just walk you through my my name history. Yeah, I'm curious. So my first name... uh, So I'm born in 1988. So my first name was just Killer88. Awesome. And that's like... I had that for maybe like two years. And then I was like, I grew up. I was like 10. I was like, this is lame. Uh, And then my star sign is Scorpio. So I started using Scorpio. And I noticed like that wasn't taken everywhere yet. Like I would actually get my name and things. So that was really cool. And then that started being taken. And I didn't want to put numbers on that because numbers are lame. Um, And then a friend of mine was like, well... You're your child and you're on the PC all the time. How about PC child? And I started using that quite a lot. And then um, I would like, so I would like use a few names interchangeably. So PC child would be one of them. And then in most like RPGs or any, any game where you could see the character, I pretty much always chose a female character, which is nicer to look at. And, and then I needed a, a female name. And I can't remember exactly how it evolved, but I think it stemmed from a game called Lands of Lore. Very, very old game. There was a character called Laura there. And I was like, I'm going to try to make up my own name. I was like, Laura, Lorania, Elenia. Uh, And it was something like that, I think. And I just like tried making a name. And then I started using Elenia. Uh, That would be one of my main names in World of Warcraft. That was my name. And then I in Baldur's Gate... I wouldn't play like normal Baldur's Gate. I wouldn't play the single player campaign. I would play multiplayer, but solo because I didn't like any of the default characters in Baldur's Gate, like 
M-O-N or anything like that. I've never been one to really care for a story. I've been more of a power gamer and I cared more about the power fantasy of making a perfect team. So what I did was I would make my own team. So I would have like Elenia, Laura, um, actually just, it was just five girls. And then I was like, I need, I need a male name. And I need, I wanted a wizard. And I was like, Zizarin. And I like basically just tried different, loads of different Z names until I came up with Zizarin. And, uh, and that just stuck. And I didn't use it for a while, actually. I like exclusively used it for Baldur's Gate 2, um, all the way until Path of Exile. And I started using it on some of my male characters in, uh, in Path of Exile. And when I started streaming, I didn't realize how important the username was. So my Twitch account was initially called PC Child, even though all my characters started being called Zizarin. And a friend of mine that basically became my pseudo manager for a while helped me. He was like, you need to start branding around Zizarin. It's a lot better than PC Child. Nobody's going to tell their friend to watch the streamer PC Child. That's not <laughs> going to happen. Um, so even though early on I started branding around it, I didn't realize how important the, the Twitch name was. And I later got that changed. And it actually redirects today. If you go twitch.tv slash PC child, it redirects to Zizarin. I saw you had a video where you were like pretty excited about finally getting Zizarin. I assume that was for Twitch. Was that for yeah, when Twitch changed so it? Yeah, so that was because Twitch didn't do name changes back then. They were working on the name change system they have today. So they like refused to do any name changes. Hmm. Um, and finally I got partnered and I got a really good partner manager called Slyn. Uh, and he managed to get the name change anyway. So I have a, something called a legacy name change. That's why it's still redirects. So if you change the name today, somebody else can take the name. I think. You lose the original one? Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Wow, that's pretty interesting. That's cool. I, I, oh, I actually do have one question because it's important for our podcast. But you did a house tour of, mm -hmm. I think it was your, I don't know if it's your new place. And I didn't, I should have watched all the way from the beginning to the end. But did, did was there an outside portion of that? Like, do you have a lawn? Do you care about your lawn? So we do have an outside area, uh, but I've been recommended from all my friends that are streamers never to show anything from outside. Just so many people have a oh, that's smart. big problem with people sure. finding the location just based on like, that's why we actually dim the windows yep. in the video. Um, oh, it's it's such a big problem that there was an Instagram influencer that posted a picture of her pool and just based on the shape of the pool, people found her house on Google Maps. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Oh, yep. that's annoying. It's crazy. It's, it's really weird. It's also another thing on that front that started happening lately is um, streamers, obviously some streamers do like PO box streams and um, people have started sending GPS trackers to PO boxes to find where the streamer lives. What? Man, yeah. crazy people are so annoying. Seriously. Oh my yeah. goodness. Wow. Okay. So then I understand that, but do you, can I ask if you have a lawn? Is that a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, you, I do. Do you care? Yeah. I don't want to give yeah, anything yeah. away, so no, no, no. We, uh, we do have a lawn. We uh, we lately got like a um, lately got like a lot of the grass dug up and got like a nice like I don't know what to call it like I don't know like kind of like tiles. We got like tiles outside, but that yeah. was really nice. So you got rid of the grass for the tiles on like half the outside area, and then oh, we okay. got like a we built a catiary for Loki because he's an indoor cat, so. Um, we wanted to make sure that like he had somewhere nice to be outside without like roaming free because he's mm. a Bengal cat and he'd probably go kind of murder hobo in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
What um how how many pets do you have? You have Loki, you mentioned cat. How old's Loki and what else do you have? Loki is I think he's a year and a half now. Yeah, I think he's oh, a year so and a half. So full of beans. Yes, he's very, very cute. I've never had a pet before. Um, I actually kind of but until until I had Loki, I kind of thought pets were a bit of a waste. Um, like I just never had it before. Never had that experience. Um and obviously, like, you do have the guaranteed sadness at the end. So it's just not something I grew up with. But now I'm like, Loki has something in every room. I play with him every day. And I, like, I love that cat to bits. He's so great. <laughs> He's so smart. He can do loads of tricks. Wow, that's really cool. It's a year and a half. And it's, and it's just Loki. Yeah, just one. Just one pet. That's so cool. Oh, man. Cats, though, they just change everything, hey? Like, when you're sitting around and doing nothing and then all of a sudden they're on you or playing with something stupid or i don't know half the time they'll spill something but you think it's cute instead of getting pissed off and yeah year and yeah. a half you're in a good state he's actually like he's not like an asshole cat either he's not not done anything bad he's never clawed us or bitten us or just really great good for you and you have a whole area you said you kind of have like an inside outside area for him now and you have something it, i saw a couple of your like videos a, from before yeah it's almost like a chicken coop but for Loki, and then we have like the uh, the other area that's like tiles. And I wanted to construct like um I don't know what to call it, but like um like a mini house, not a like more like a mini open house outside, just to be outside, and then you could like barbecue stuff under it. It's so expensive. Mm-hmm. So and I'm, mm. I'm not really outside that much either. <laughs> so what kind of stuff do you do outside of streaming? Do you have any hobbies outside of uh, outside of what you do? Not really, no. I mean, I um, I have a drone, and I really like playing with that. It's uh, it's like a DJI drone, and it like I can fly it in VR, so that's really cool. Quite enjoyed that. Um, it was honestly such an experience. Um, other than that, no. Do you guys have laws much. there regarding flying drones? Yeah. So, and and the the drone itself is like plugged into like a satellite system thing so for example i can't fly it outside my door uh because i'm too close to the airport in fact all of all of belfast you can't fly it in hmm. um we have to drive like 30 minutes so we we go to some mountains nearby and we fly there and there there's uh, unlimited airspace so i can go as high as like 300 meters is where my drone cuts out cool uh-huh. that's fun mm-hmm. that's pretty neat worth the drive though i guess it's very cool enjoyed a lot uh, so another important household question, because when I go to Justin's house, like his house is just dumb. He's got everything in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's just really annoying to visit. If he didn't pay me to be his friend, it just wouldn't work out. What side <laughs> of the sink is your garbage on? Or do you not have your garbage under the sink? Uh, no, it's not under the sink. We have like a, a <sighs> garbage can at the end of the um, kitchen table, kind of at the right. So to the right, I guess. Oh, but it's not under the sink. All right. All right. Well, I think that's pretty common too, Ty, that a lot of people don't put it under the sink. Yeah, I know. But you have it under the sink and so do I. And yours is on the right (laughs) side. No, mine's on the right side and that's right. Yours is on the left side and that's wrong. And your compost is on the right side. We do keep bin liners under the kitchen sink, which is on the left. No! Okay, there you go. That's good. Oh, wrong side. (laughs) All right. Well, that's Uh, it. You're done. All All the other questions are canceled. (laughs) See you later. So can you walk us through a normal day off for you? I know you probably don't have many of those, but if you have one, what's uh, what's what are you doing on a day off besides like, you know, obviously hanging with family? So honestly, honestly, I would just play games. Like if I'm if I'm not doing like something special with Helena and my child, 
then I would just be playing games. Like it's still, even after all this time, my favorite thing to do. Like I love playing like RimWorld, Kenshi. I actually very frequently still play Path of Exile off stream. Depends a little bit what character I had alive. Like last league, I played probably between 150 and 200 hours off stream. Um, and uh, that was mostly, I played until my Omniscience build died. And when my Lightning Strike build died, I was like, nah, I don't want to play anymore. So you're playing hardcore characters offline, like when you're not streaming? Yeah, so whenever whenever I play off stream, I always record. Actually, any game, no matter what I do, if I play a game off stream, I record. Okay. Because just in case something really cool happens and I want to show it on stream. Hmm. So it's mostly games then, even on like, <laughs> even on your time not streaming, it's just a different I game just or <laughs> really love gaming. Like I am. That's awesome. It's actually like a lot of other streamers will ask me about it because sometimes I'll be in a call. Like pretty much any time I'm talking to somebody, I will be playing something. Um, and whenever I'm playing PoE, people will be like, "But you're not streaming." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> Just, That's awesome. awesome. Uh, okay, so um, you mentioned um, your family. Big congrats on becoming a dad. That's really cool. What? How old is? Uh, sorry, boy or girl? Boy. He is six months today. Whoa! Oh, wow. So new, new baby then. Yeah. Very That's cool. fun. How's that going? Oh, it's really cool. Um, so parents don't really prepare you. I don't know. I feel like a lot of parents lie to you. Um, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> They like they really lie to you. Like first off, no parent warned you or warned me how scared you're gonna be. That like has has he died? Like is he yeah. moving? Is he breathing? Yeah, when they Hello? sleep. Yep. Yeah. They sleep. Did you have the camera and sleepers. all the stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Camera. But even like even when I was holding him, I'm like, he's not moving. Yeah. Like is his chest moving? No. <laughs> yeah. Is he dead? And the reason I'm so scared of that is I had like eight close calls. I almost died when I was a newborn. Uh, like oh, wow. I would turn completely blue. I would just stop breathing. And my, my mom would literally basically like throw me into the air and catch me again. Um, and it would just luckily restart my breathing. And so we researched that a lot. And a doctor said the best thing to do if your baby literally stops breathing and starts turning blue, pinch your baby. Mm -hmm. And very often it'll make them gasp for air. Um, so like that was something I was very worried about. Um, and babies are also at least in my opinion, incredibly boring the first two months. They literally just poop. They have no interaction capability whatsoever. So at least I found that very weird the first months. And I wasn't really prepared for that because nearly every other parent I talked to were like, oh, it was the most amazing thing. It was life changing. And I was like, the kid's probably like five or six at that point. And at that point, it's been life changing. But yeah, in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like, Gary, right, do something. <laughs> yeah. So at least for me, and like now I have like talked to more parents. They were like, yeah, no, like a lot of some parents have been like, it wasn't really like that amazing until like one or two years. But even like now, it's gotten so much better with like six months. Like he just started like, he, rolling uh, he was able to roll over between his nice. like stomach and back before he would just mm -hmm. get stuck like a turtle. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just, it's really special when he sees me and like brightens up. Like we, um, obviously I work so much. So we also have a uh, nanny to help out so that Helena can still like get some extra sleep and have some semblance of a life. Mm -hmm. and, and she's doing such a great job of like hard carrying. Like it's honestly been very, very easy for me. So I'm very lucky that way. But mm. it's very cool because like sometimes when I hear him crying, I'll go take a break from stream and I'll go down and he'll stop crying when he sees me and he like brightens up and that's really cool. That's really special. That's awesome, right? Yep. Yeah. Just melts your heart. You can cry. 
on, on the podcast. That's really cool. To. Yeah. So oh. six you know months. what though? Sorry to interrupt, just I do the same my kids are seven and nine. Every night I do the same thing. After I'm finished hanging out with Just or doing something on the computer, I come upstairs. I'm kissing them goodnight, but I'm I'm really checking. I'm like my hands on their chest. I like it. I feel I like know. every parent's just, done that. Where you're like, it, Are you it alive? Does, it doesn't go away. Yeah. It doesn't go dude. away till they move out. Yeah, uh, it's funny talking about that. Like I have four kids, and one's moving out today. My oldest oh. is moving out today, and then my youngest starts kindergarten in a couple months. So, but yeah, it's it doesn't stop. There's constant like. Although once they're old enough, then it's like, all right, I've done enough. It's on you now. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to not answer this, but just out of curiosity, you said you did a lot of research on your situation. Did you ever find out what was going on? No, like I, I think the main thing that they thought it was, was just like generally what happens to um, babies when they have a... Uh, SIDS, like sudden sudden infant yep. death syndrome. They think it was yep. just that, and I just didn't die. Wow. That's Dang. pretty amazing. Because I just completely stopped breathing, like for like, I think the longest was like over a minute and a half or something. Oh, oh, your poor parents. Holy cow. Yeah. They were like, I was literally turning blue. So they were like terrified. I had that happen one time to one of my kids, but it was because he was, he stuck a friggin' thing into his mouth and it oh, no. just got lodged in his throat. I was so scared of stuff like that. Yeah. Can yeah, I guess it was, which uh, kid? Actually, it was my, it was my oldest, the one that's moving out. Oh, but, uh, oh I, I <laughs> he, he was like one, but it was those you know the little caps that cover the toilet bolts when toilets get bolted down to. I don't know how it works right. where you live, but they're like screwed into the ground. There, they have the little bolt, the cup on top of it. For some reason, he pulled that off and put it in upside down into his mouth, and then Oof. went to the back. That's of his throat. so scary. Yeah, I had to like put my two fingers in on each side and get into the bottom of like back of his mouth and squeeze it to pull it out. It was awful. Wow. I remember almost passing out afterwards. Like I was <laughs> shaking. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Awesome. so scary. Holy shit. Yeah. Kids are the awesome, piece. but they're super annoying. <laughs> they stress the shit out of you. Yeah, but uh, sounds right. That's when, when your kid was kind of at that, you know, early stage and but you're staying up super late did you catch up on any like old school movies or something that doesn't interest your girlfriend um i can't remember you know what staying up to stupid hours at I night took, so this is actually the only time i've taken off for something not work related was when he was born i took 10 days off i think nice um and then we uh she was against this in the start but then was pretty happy we did it so we took shifts so i would take him and then she could sleep yeah um and then, yeah, I can't remember what I watched. Did I watch Better Call Saul or maybe Breaking Bad? Ah, oh, all right. Nice. Good for you. Good for you. It's nice having the long haul there. Yeah, and I actually watched it uh, with no sound and subtitles because I wanted to be able to hear like him breathing as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like, this was while I was holding him as well. Like he, I literally like he like slept on my chest. Mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. We had like angel monitors, it was called, and it was a, something that got installed under the mattress of the crib and it would sense if they stopped breathing and then it would just like freaking alarms would go off. It happened multiple <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually um, very, very surprised with how good like the, the UK free healthcare was. Because obviously I'm from Norway and I didn't know, well, I didn't know I was going to be in Norway either, but obviously I talked to my parents. Um, but when he was born... Or like, I think maybe seven or eight times, uh, one or two nurses would come to our house and like ask us, like, how is it going? 
um, check, I guess, like, check bloods and just, like, check up on him seven or eight nice. times. And that was, like, so that we didn't have to go to the hospital. Uh, and that's just a regular thing here. I was, like, blown away. I had, I had no idea. And they were, like, wow. oh, is there anything you're struggling with? Like, yeah. is there anything you're worried about? Do you have any questions? It's great. Super very, helpful. Very we, similar in Canada as well. Not once. It's a little less once you've had more than one. But, yeah, they have that similar setup, which is really nice because then you're yeah. not feeling super oh. alone. It's very good. It's very impressed. Yeah. Just did you catch up on any shows or did the Angel Monitor uh, do it all for you? I don't remember, man. It was a long time ago. I, uh, yeah. I I caught up on all the X-Files and the Rambo movies. I went with the ballads. Nice. So nice. How, can, can I ask how you met your lady friend? You said her name's Helena? Yeah, Helena. So Helena. she's Danish and um, I met her on Bumble. And trying <laughs> to date as a streamer was actually surprisingly weird because... I'd be like, I'd be like talking to someone on like Tinder or Bumble and it'd be going pretty well. And they'd ask like, oh, so what do you do? And I'd be like, oh, I'm a streamer. It's like YouTube, but live. Uh, hello? Please respond? <laughs> almost every time the conversation would end there. And I wonder why. I think it's a little bit because it's the 80s equivalent. It was like, yeah. I'm in a band with my buddy yeah, Joe. We're going to make it That's big. True. We're playing out of my mom's garage right now. But yeah. <laughs> and even if you are successful, you don't want to go like, oh, but I'm successful. I swear. I've been living off this for seven years. Yeah, right. So there's not really a good way to do it. However, uh, so Bumble, for those that don't know, is basically Tinder. But the girl has to be the one that opens the conversation. So you both match like normal. But if the girl doesn't say something first, the conversation never starts and it just expires. Hmm. Um, and she opened up with like, oh, I think I can pronounce your name. Because she was Danish. Um, and I had like a bit about my name in my, uh, my bio. And then when I said what I do, she was like, oh, is that similar to YouTube Let's Plays? I watched Acceptikai. And she is not a gamer, but she really likes watching YouTube. So she loves watching people play games. So, hmm. yeah, she continued talking and we met up and um, it went surprisingly fast, too, because um, uh, I think maybe a month and a half after I met her, I was going to attempt to take the world record in most hours streamed. And she was like, how are you going to like wake up? How are you going to eat? And I was like, oh, I'm just going to order takeout every day and I'll just set an alarm. And even though we'd like, we hadn't even been like, we weren't, we were just like, you know, early stages of dating. We weren't a couple yet. She was like, wouldn't it be easier if I just stayed over at your place, helped you wake up and made you food? And I was like, now that you mention it, <laughs> yes, that is a lot easier. That is better than my plan. So Could you also stay that. forever, please? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and uh, I actually very, very early bought a ring to propose to her. I think we'd been maybe together six months when I uh, bought a ring to propose and uh, chat loves the story and they call it the pancake story. And that's because she passed the pancake test. So uh, every girl I've dated pretty much, they would very often on like birthdays or something like that, be like, Hey, sis, it's your birthday coming up. I want to do something really special for you. I want to cook you something nice. You can have anything you want. What do you want? And I'd be like, Oh, pancakes. It's my favorite thing. And they're like, no, like, Real food. Like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> yeah. Pancakes? And they made me stay. Every girl I ever dated other than Helena made me stay. And Helena oh, asked really? the same question. 
Yeah, actually, one made me can't. But anyway, mostly, mostly steak. Like, no one <laughs> recognized pancakes as a, as a food. And Helena asked me the same thing. She's like, hey, like if I if I could make you anything you wanted, what would you want? I was like, pancakes. I just want pancakes. <laughs> and she made me pancakes. I actually went out and bought a like, ring right. like that week. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you guys engaged? Yeah, we are getting okay, married cool. in August. That's oh, awesome. fun. Nice. We That's were awesome. going to get married like a year ago, but then uh, somebody started playing Plague Inc. in real life. And uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> kind of wrecked a little bit of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Very frustrating. That's really cool. I saw the broadcast you did with her while she was actually playing PoE blindly. And oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was such a joy to watch. The funny that stuff fun. that she would say. like, And she's talking about how you lectured her about, you know, the... Things that she's allowed, not allowed to do, like this huge list of things, like don't do this, yeah. don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But then she, you know, she hear, hears about crafting in Path of Exile, and she's like, "Well, can I take that person's bones and turn them into <laughs> like an arrow?" Or, I forget what it was, but no, That's it was so quite weird. enjoyable. I'm happy for you both. Thank you. When you when you showed her how to, or when she played, did you help her? Did you give no. her some tips? Not even oh, a wow. little. Like I said, she could watch my videos and stuff. But I was like, unless she asked, I'm not going to backseat her because I, I hate backseating. Wow. And she really wanted to play with chat just being the only thing that backseated her. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, okay, so I mentioned it earlier, but uh, you had some videos from Darkfall. Yeah. And that was w- one of my favorite periods of playing games was the the online PvP with Darkfall. Did you play that for a while? Yeah. Um, so Darkfall is actually my favorite game of all time. PoE is not. PoE is my second yep. favorite game, I think. Um, maybe third, but, um, like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, now Darkfall you gotta tell online. us number two. It might be Diablo 2. But it's also, like, so you kind of gotta have, like, favorite games for that part of your life. Because it's yeah, yeah, always totally. gonna be hard for a game to match up to nostalgia and just you that, had. that yep. part of your life. So, right now, my favorite thing to play is Path of Exile, for sure. But, yeah. Um, Darkfall Online, definitely my favorite game of all time. It's just... I, I've just always loved like games that give you adrenaline. Um, and that's one of the games that did that for me. So I played a lot of Darkfall Online, the original one. Uh, that was a lot harder and I was definitely a lot worse at that. But I really liked how unforgiving it was. And I think I talked about this a bit on stream, but I think there's a correlation of like, I would say my life is pretty easy. And I think that's why I like difficult games. It's like, if you've had a really hard day at work, you probably don't want to come home and be shit on by a game for six hours. Whereas like, my life is pretty easy. I honestly have an amazing life. So I really I'll love for the games the game. to shit on me for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> so like Darkfall Online, for those that aren't familiar with the game, is super hardcore. Where in the first one, there wasn't even really safe zones. You could actually get killed in a tutorial zone. You had 24 hours of protection after that. You were fair, fair game, even if somebody had like played for like three years and was super overpowered. And somebody did that. I remember I got spawn camped by a super experienced player really early on. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. I'm pissed, but this is fucking awesome. <laughs> so I wrote down the names of every single person that griefed me early on. I made a list <laughs> and I tried to grief them until they quit the game. I remember That's the awesome. first guy that ever killed me is a Finnish guy called Joker Kuti Huti. And he farmed me for like four hours. I farmed him for a day and a half. And I didn't see him after. So I actually might have made him quit the game. So he was in a clan called Snail Party. Did you ever play a game called Shadowbane? No. I know a lot of Darkfall players did. 
Yeah, that's where I came from for Darkfall. And that's why I loved it so much because it was so, it just reminded me so much of that. The hardcore PvP, if you die, you're losing your stuff. You're starting from scratch. And it was just, there was no forgiveness at all in that game. It was so much fun. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And um, another thing that inspired me really early on, I joined a, a German alliance. Uh, like everybody else was German. I think I just like joined on accident. Um, and they like thought it was so cool that I was in German. So I was like the only one. Uh, or, or pretty much. I think we have one American, one Canadian, and everybody else was like German. And it was called Schatten Alliance, which means shadow. Um, and um, they weren't that great at the game. They were like fairly casual players. And I remember one of the most hardcore players uh, assaulted our city one time. His name was John Blunt. And he took out 30 of us single-handedly. And I was like... That's so cool. He's so good. He literally <laughs> wiped 30 of us. I want to be that guy. So I, I started like no lifing super hard. And you know the rune system, right? Yep. The rune system was basically you could go somewhere and bind a rune there. It would take like two minutes, maybe five minutes to bind a rune. And the world was pretty large. Um, and you could teleport there later. I started something called the Aegon Project, which is like I bought like 600 runes and I bound them to every single grid on the map world so that if anyone in my alliance needed help I could just be like what grid are you in and then I would just write this corny thing like Aegon project activate and I would go help them and kill whoever was uh, fighting them because I practiced so hard and I became one of the best players because I just that's awesome ultra no life did so I like I love that so much that was so fun yeah it was such a good game <laughs> It was, if, and, and if you watch it, like I watched a couple of yours just because it made me reminiscent of it. It was so fun, like watching you cast magic and it was yeah. just so, it was directional. You had to pay attention. There was nothing automated for you at all in that game. Uh, Everything so is fun. a skill shot. Yep. So much fun. All right. And so then, what got you into streaming? Oh no, if you got more, if yeah, you got more Darkfall, I'll keep say, talking Darkfall. I was going to say, and then the game died because they just refused to advertise. So they actually, um. It was smart initially that they didn't advertise because the game was so popular and they didn't want servers to die at launch, so they refused to advertise early. But then it was just such a hardcore game uh, that the population started dwindling and they, they refused to advertise. They finally did. They said they were going to put like fifty dollars or $100,000 into ads and they bought Darkfall Online on the side of a NASCAR. No, that was what they did? That's what they did. You can wow. find pictures of it online too. It's like it was a NASCAR or F1 car, some sort of like racing car that had Darkfall online on the side of it. And we we're like, were they unaware you don't of their know your target audience at all? <laughs> yeah, what do you seriously. mean? Wow. Huh. I didn't know that. I think I had stopped playing by the point so I was, sad. I had stopped before it had died, but yeah, that I'm is a little, until the very <laughs> end. a little weird. <laughs> right till the servers turn off. Yeah, they actually had a very cool ending event. All the devs took over demons and stuff like that and started attacking player cities. It was like an apocalypse event. It was very cool. Oh, that is cool. Yep. Still too bad it died, though. All right, what was the process for you getting into streaming? Because did you do YouTube before you streamed? No, not really. I did those, like, five Darkfall videos. Um, and other than that, my first content creation video was actually um, like on YouTube, was uh, interviewing Steel Mage when he had won a race against me. It's kind of cool now that he like he lives in my house right now. So right, kind of cool that he was my first POE YouTube video. Well, why wasn't your one of early ones also Noogie and he lives there too? Yeah, yeah. Because I was scrolling through your old list and I was like, oh, that's funny. It's both of them. Yeah, I feel like they were your first couple for sure. Yeah, 
It was actually Havoc Noogie and Steel. And Havoc Everybody looks so young. Too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the process to get into streaming for me was I wanted to do content creation for quite a while. Because honestly, I was terrified of starting life in general. I really hated the idea of working. Um, I'd worked, the only thing previously streaming I'd done, I'd worked in a flower store and I studied computer science, but by the end of my degree, I was like, well, I don't really want to code because this is fucking boring. I don't really enjoy it. Um, and yeah, I was honestly very, very scared of starting life. I really hated the idea of having a job. And so I was just starting to think, how can I play or how can I do what I love for a living? And what do I love? How can I play video games for a living? Do I become a game tester? Do I try to become a game journalist? Um, like, what do I do? And then I was trying to think of like gimmicks. Like, well, if I do something with content, what is my gimmick going to be? Why are people going to watch me? And um, I was thinking like, okay, what if I what if I stream myself coding? Oh, that sounds boring. And then I was like, well, I really like writing. What if I write a book but stream it? Also sounds boring. And then just kept like spitballing loads of ideas like this. And I was like, I can do a golem voice. Should I do that while streaming? My voice will give out after less than a day. And then I did play Path of X a lot of the time. And a friend of mine watched streams a lot more than I did. And um, I had been watching some streams too, like Crip, Ziggy, Eta, Havoc. And I found that there was no streamer really combining being like a pro gamer like playing at a really high level while still being super interactive and having a community feeling so i wanted to combine etup and ziggy d into one stream and and play at a competitive level while being super interactive um and i started in tempest league technically this is two months before i actually started streaming so i started streaming and i'd asked loads of my friends from like my arc server that i did before streaming and loads of other games i was like hey it's what I'm going to try to do. It means a lot to me. I really want to get into streaming. And and Silva, who was basically my pseudo manager, was also like pushing me to do streaming. I think he was just tired of me talking so much on Discord all the time. He's like, dude, you talk all the time. You might as well stream. <laughs> I like told everyone, my family as well. So I started with like 15, maybe 25 years, like anywhere between there. And nobody else could find my stream. I couldn't find myself in the directory. And I was like, I should be on the 15th row. I can't find myself here. And uh, yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't, nobody knew was finding the stream. I would link my stream places just to see and people would be like, nope, doesn't show up. And it turned out that Twitch very early on had a private setting that was supposed to be for if you just wanted to stream for your friends and you didn't want anyone else fighting your stream. It was called oh. Hide From Directory. And I had streamed very hard. I was doing like my early 20 to 30 hour pushes, my early sessions. I was talking nonstop. Nobody could find my stream. It was all private. Ow. It was all private. I had oh, done maybe two or three weeks of just going super ham. And then I took like a one week break when I found that button and went <laughs> super hard when um, the one month hardcore flashback startup. And yeah, it, it instantly uh, went really well. I got partnered within five weeks of streaming on Twitch when I actually started streaming. So that's kind of the start. <laughs> wow. That's pretty crazy. But it, so it just, it, as soon as you um, decided to go public, of course, because yeah. that was by choice, <laughs> you, um, and good job practicing for so long, hey? Practice makes perfect, right? Exactly. It, it was just that successful that right off the bat. 
Yeah, because I think I was doing, like, I managed to do a lot of things right early on, some kind of by accident, but like branding and stuff like that. The name obviously wasn't good. Like, I was called PC Child, but I got people talking about me very early because I streamed such an insane amount of hours. Um, early on, I would stream between 400 and 450 hours per month. And this is probably my my proudest flex is that I accidentally had the hours for uh, most hours streamed in 30 days on Twitch. Like I had the world record in that on accident. Like I didn't even know about it. Um, and I only found out about it because two years later, because obviously I just streamed like a madman. Um, and, and two years later, people came in and was like, how do you feel about Giant Waffle trying to break your record? And I was like, what now? I have a record? I was so stoked because like that was so cool that I'd like done that on accident and made it even cooler to me. Um, and they were like, yeah, you streamed 450 hours that month. Weren't you trying to set a record? And I was like, no, but now we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then before he could even finish setting the record, I started on mine, which ended up being 505 hours. So he passed my record. And then a month later, I beat him again by 40 hours or something. Um, and that was very cool. Would never do it again, but that was very cool. He's probably that guy you trolled for a day and a half in Darkfall. Same guy. Nah, he's screwed him over uh, over and over again. Nah, the, the guy I trolled was actually a Finnish guy. It turns out. But, oh, okay. So what did you, you did? Five hundred and five hundred and five hours. Five hundred five. Good lord. The current record is five hundred ninety-eight, but it's also a little different oh. because the people doing it they're also like not really doing pure content. They're, a lot of it is just they're sitting there reacting to videos. Isn't really no, the same in my opinion. They're not actually playing games. Yeah, okay. they're not playing no, games. They're watching videos. Yeah, they're watching yeah. somebody else's stuff. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Just slightly salty. Slightly. <laughs> Got to figure out how many hours there are in a month because that's that's insane. Oh my goodness! You didn't even sleep. Just peed out the window while you were driving to the vet. <laughs> yeah. Now I saw one of your tweets a while back. You showed kind of your your setup. And don't know how often that changes for you, but it looked like you had a hundred monitors. What do you have on each monitor while you're playing? Do you use them all? Is it all for something different or what's so going on? There? I, I have four monitors. I kind of want a fifth. Um, so on my bottom right screen, I would have the game I'm playing. Path of Exile full screen. Uh, top left, I would have um, half of the screen is my stream manager like URL for Twitch. So like that I can see yep. when I want to play ads, how many people are watching, uh, and stuff like that. And on the other half of that screen would be my OBS so that I can see, like, yes, I am on the correct scene. I'm not on the, like, show my monitor scene or something. Um, bottom left would be um, usually Discord as well as Twitch chat. So I try to keep my Twitch chat very close to my health globe so that if I am reading, I like, my peripheral vision will, like, pick up, like, hey, you're dying. It's a very hardcore setup. Yeah, I actually used to have Twitch chat the other way around. I used to have it on the mana bar side. And that's actually part of why I died more to reading chat early and less now. Um, and on the top right screen, I would have a browser. Like maybe I'm paying attention to something else like Twitter at the same time. Or I'll have my music up. And like it's just like miscellaneous stuff. But yeah, browser generally. And you need a fifth for... I won a... Um, I want like a um, vertical screen for chat so that I can have chat in a lot larger font. 
because I tried that when I was in Canada at the uh, Rebellion headquarters. They had like a full vertical monitor and you could have a very large font for chat. And that was really nice. Hmm. And I Welcome can't really do that while it's sharing. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do that while it's sharing a screen with Discord. That one's not vertical anyway, though, right now, right? No. Yeah, five seems reasonable. That seems reasonable. <laughs> uh, all right. So we talked about the amount you stream and the amount of hours you put into it. Uh, so for you, did you go into it or do you look at it now and treat it like a job? Like I know you said you didn't want to work, but to you now, do you look at streaming and go, okay, this is my job. I need to treat it like that. Do you plan out, you know, like do you schedule out your time around streaming or how do you, how do you, how do you treat your actual, I guess it's your job. How do you treat that? Yeah. So early on me and another streamer slash YouTuber, it's Yoji used to talk a lot because he was doing um, YouTube a lot more than me. And we were like comparing our stats uh, as well as revenue and other things. And just comparing like, because we were very similar in size, but he was focusing on YouTube. I was focusing on Twitch. Um, and he eventually stopped going full-time. And the reason for that, we basically both went with the same saying, like do what you love for a living and you don't work a day in your life. And for him, that turned into do what you love for a living and all you have is work. Um, and I would be closer to the first saying. However, it is definitely work. It is definitely a job and you have to treat it as one. Um, but I am also combining my hobby with my work. And I think that's why I'm able to do so many hours and that I still love it. I've also always been very good at like repetitive action and doing like the same game over and over again or the same thing over and over again. But... Yeah, no, I, I definitely do consider it a job. I usually describe it as the easiest job in the world that you have to work ridiculously hard at because, because it is so appealing. So many people want to do the same thing and you have to stand out, right? Like you really got to try to stand out. Like why should people watch you over not just all the other streams that exist, but you're competing with television, you're competing with Netflix, you're competing with podcasts, like like you're competing for people's time. So sure. you have to like really stand out and, and there has to be a reason for people to watch you. And especially now, like I have several other like full-time employees working for me as well. Definitely. I like, help cement it, cements it a bit as a job. Is that Did why you, you, Oh, go ahead, Justin. No, go ahead. I was going to say, is that why you go and broadcast for maybe 10 to, or eight to 12 hours instead of maybe four to eight, just for the sake of that, um, being out there more and still having that that name out there? Yeah, so I actually almost stream too much at the moment. Uh, Devin Nash, a good friend of mine, has a lot of videos about this um, where with some exceptions, there's always exceptions to everything, obviously, uh, and at what point in your career you are, but for most established streamers, the, uh, the ideal time to stream uh, honestly becomes between four and eight hours because you have very, very high energy for those hours. And as long as you're very strict with when you're streaming, that ends up being the best because there usually is so much stuff you can work on off stream that will end up being better. Like you can work on making videos for different platforms, like YouTube that can funnel back into your Twitch stream um, and other things like you can be working on larger events, curating content and just upgrading quality. Uh, I just, I just genuinely love streaming so much so that I, that I do end up with a lot of hours, but I am trying to work on doing less on stream and I've been working on more things like, you know, the gauntlet and other like racing events that I do. And 
uh, working on sponsors and with sponsors, et cetera. Did you, when, did you ever have a plan B if, uh, if stream, or did you just go full in and not even think about that? Like, was there ever a thought for you? Like, well, if this doesn't work, this is what I'll do. So I wouldn't say that I had a plan B like thought out, like I will do this instead. But obviously I did have my master's degree or sorry, bachelor degree in computer science, but I was very, very lucky in the sense that, so I'd wanted to do content creation for a while. I did semi-professionally play Heroes and Heroes in tournaments and stuff before uh, studying when I was like 17, 18, but my parents really wanted me to study. They were basically like, if you don't study, your life is over, you have no future. I was like, yes, I better study then. Um, and, uh, but when I, when I was finished, I was like, mom, dad, this is really important to me. I really want to try it. What do you guys think? And they were like, we think you should try it. And if it doesn't work, I was like, I was going to try it for a year. Uh, my plan was I was going to get partnered within six months. If I didn't get partnered for a year, I would quit streaming entirely. And they told me like, if it fails, you can move back home to Norway and, and we'll help you. So I was very lucky. Not everybody has that position, but because I did, I was absolutely going to capitalize on that. So I jumped in both feet. I had enough money to not require help or anything for six months with making no money. That was just like leftover student loans uh, as well as money I'd saved up. And yeah, enough money for six months. And I just jumped in face first, just went super ham. And uh, it was actually getting kind of close. It was... Uh, Probably around the six Especially because you wasted the first three weeks, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to hurt so much. It was uh, it was at around the six-month mark. I was like, I didn't I didn't want to talk publicly about struggling with finances on stream. I'm, I'm very open about like income, revenue, everything on stream. But I didn't ever wanted to talk about like, oh, I'm struggling. I need help. Because I didn't want people to feel like they were forced to donate. Sure. But I, I started getting some very big donations early on, even without talking about it. It was two people... True Kryptonic and CRA, they donated between one and $3,000 each. And another person, oh. Dark Rail as well, like very early. They just, they were very well off and they were like, this is content we want to see and continue seeing. So they just dropped some huge donations early and this was a little bit more normal. Uh, it's still an insane amount of money, but a little bit more normal early in Twitch because there wasn't sub-gifting. Um, so it was more common to see big donations. But uh, that basically tidied me over until I was able to make enough money. Because my first year streaming, I only made $8,000. So early, it's like very rough. What was your time before you felt more comfortable with it? Like how long into streaming were you? Where you were like, okay, this is actually sustainable. It started growing pretty fast. I'd say I made 8000 my first year, maybe between fifteen and twenty-five my second year. And even in my third year, I was making like over 60 or 80K, maybe more like 40 to 60. It was kind of like slow, but now it's going kind of exponential. So now we're in year seven and I am looking at around $300,000 hopefully this year. Um, and I am I am paying other people at full-time revenue as well, like Vero, my manager. I pay him $2,000 a month uh, as well as extra for events he creates. Uh, some of my full-time mods uh, are getting paid like 1000 a month or, or close to that. And, um, so we, we do have like a lot of people working on this now and I have other, like my editor gets half of my YouTube revenue with a minimum guarantee of $1,000 a month. Just to like, if it's a bad month, he's still okay. Um, so it is like a big company now, basically, or a small company, I guess. That's cool though. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good for you. Congrats. Thank you. And so let's say there's one person listening that doesn't know what you do. 
outside of broadcasting, I mean, obviously you broadcast PoE, but what else do you do for the PoE community? So I try, um, I try to do a lot of events. That's like the number one thing I'm focused on. I love making events like the Gauntlet. It's a extremely difficult racing event where there is just crazy amounts of damage mods on top of the normal event, and we end up with a prize pool of like thirty to sixty thousand dollars all included and we get loads of sponsors like Shopify the last event also had Hyundai which is very cool uh, and we're looking to do more events like that we're actually gouging interest in the racing discord right now for a 2v2 event that we just announced we're just going to do like kind of like more casual like smaller event it's going to be like you have to stream your point of view because we don't there's no group found in Path of Exile like no actual official group found so we do need everybody to stream so yeah it will be a smaller thing and we don't have the proper tracking tools so I love making events. I love making beginner content, which is kind of juxtaposed by the gauntlet because the gauntlet is for like the hardest and it will absolutely destroy you. But then I love doing like a large amount of beginner content and we have people that help with that as well. So at least start when, uh, or before league start, whenever grinding your games announces the patch and all the patch notes, we have like two or three people that help me create builds and the notes for the builds to make them as beginner friendly as possible. Um, and, th and that's like the main things I try to focus on. Do you do the uh, PoE University thing every league? Is that a yeah. is that a series every league? Yeah, so I try to do PoE University every league. We've tried alternating a little bit between not doing exactly the same episodes and just updating them. But like sometimes we'll do more like um, practical episodes where I'm like, okay, on, and now in this PoE University, we're just going to show you how to do it. We're not going to just tell you how to do it. Um, so we, we try to alternate a little bit there, gather some feedback. Uh, PU University basically has a principal, a Rocky, so we pay him to make all the slides, curate all the info, make sure everything's up to date, uh, as well as make it easier to understand for new players, because it is extremely hard to be an experienced player making content for new players, because you don't always know what they don't know or what they don't understand. So uh, we also do talk to a lot of new players. Sometimes I'll use my girlfriend and explain things to her, like, you don't know the game. Does this make sense? Or even my parents. So That's pretty cool. Uh, what's a typical day work of work, I guess it's work of streaming for you now. Like how's your, how's your day look each day? So, um, it depends. My, uh, the, my day looks very seasonal. So in the first, like, like my life basically adheres after Path of Exile leagues. So let's say month one, it would be preparing the new, like league star content and, um, basically just going ham on streaming. I do very little off stream stuff in the first month and I will try to stream between 300 and 400 hours the first month. And then it would be maybe 50 to 60 hours off stream where I'm recording videos. We have a pretty good process for it now. Before I would write like a script for the video and read it off verbatim. Whereas now I will just have like bullet points and I'll just be like, hi guys, sister in here with another video. I'll add some notes for Scry, like, Put in an animation here, stuff like that. Uh, and it takes me a lot less time, like maybe one or two hours a day to record videos. Whereas before it could be three or four. So that's a lot faster now. But yeah, I would say the first month of PoE I work between 400, maybe upwards of 500 hours, 510 hours. It's very little sleep the first month. They are always very intense. Um, we're like coming to the tail end of the first month now. So at the moment, I would sleep between four and seven hours per day. How much does your streaming cut down in that two and three, month two and yeah, three? So in the second month, I will stream, I will always stream at least 220 hours a month. I have a contract with Twitch where that is like 
my minimum hours to get a bonus. Um, that sounds like an insane amount of hours to have as a minimum, but that was actually me uh, offering that in order to get paid more. But um, yeah, in the second month, I will normally stream around 250 to 300 hours. And a lot more off-stream stuff starts happening. I will do a lot of negotiating with sponsors and reaching out for sponsors, uh, organizing the event, talking to Grinding Gear Games about like, hey, this is the mods and what we kind of want to do for the gauntlet. What do you guys think? Do you guys have any input? Is this doable? Um, and a lot more off-stream work like that. And in the third month, I try to stream literally 220 hours or 230 hours. And I try to... Do a little bit more like me time than normal. So I try to keep like work less than 260 hours in the third month. And then I have 500 hours to sleep or uh, do whatever I want. So I'll play Dota. I'll play Tarkov. I'll do whatever I want. And a lot more time with the family. And that you said that was two, around 220 to 260 yeah. in that last month. That's crazy. That's seriously crazy hours. Yeah. Like when you think about an, uh, you know, a normal nine to five job, you're still working over a hundred hours more. Yeah, but you can't ever compare streaming to a normal nine to five job. You need to compare it with uh, more like a brick and mortar shop, which my mom did. Um, she had a flower store that she owned for 15 years. And she would, like both my parents are very hardworking. My dad is, um, how do I translate this to English? CFO? No, I don't know. It would be like, the, I call it the trade of C, CEO of trading for like a big geographical company in Norway. Oh, marketing director of a big geographical okay. company in Norway. And uh, my mom would work six days a week. She'd get up like 5 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, drive into Oslo, buy flowers. Uh, there would be like 40, 50 minute drive and drive back home with the flowers. It's like something like she needed to do that at least three days a week. And then she would work until 5 p.m. and then continue working. And like, then the shop would close. Then she would work another two or three hours delivering flowers to people after that. And she would only take one day off a week. And, and she would usually work on that day too. Like she usually just worked like a horse. And my dad as well would get up like 5 a.m., work until 8 or 9 p.m. So like it was like, I used to say I was never going to work as hard as my parents. And yeah, they always make fun of it because they were like, you kind of work more than us now. Uh, yeah, you did. You did. You did a like stream with them. I yeah. saw that in your YouTube video when I was scrolling through it. That was fun. That's really cool. Oh, so one of the other things I noticed while I was scrolling through your stuff is you do this thing, man versus stream, mm -hmm. which looked really fun. It looks like so the idea is, Ty, they yeah, there's like a rotating thing. BK does it with them. Like she 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 like announces the things and tries to help them figure it out. But a random event will happen, and he has to. That's not hardcore, is it? No, no, no. It's on softcore. So okay. Man vs. Stream is just like, I call it a sellout event. And I try to like limit the amount of things I do like that. Uh, Stream does really love it as well. Uh, they actually ask for more, but I don't want to do an event primarily uh, made on making money. It's not something I want to shove that many viewers throw too often. Uh, so I try to do one every league. And it's basically every time someone subscribes or donates. And they can do this. Like just A lot of people save their resub for then. Um... And whenever someone subscribes or donates, something will happen. And then there's extra options for people that have a lot of money and uh, want to like make me delete some items or uh, make me fight with a specific boss, make me blindfolded for the next boss. And it usually takes like six hours, eight hours. And normally there, there are other people that do the same type of event, uh, but they don't usually have a downside. Um, I have that if I fail, like say the goal is to kill the Ziri, 
if I fail, I basically gift the amount of money I would have earned back to chat. So they can beat me and I don't actually make any money. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. All, all I, as I was scrolling through, cause you had a number of them. So I was watching a couple different ones and I actually, there were a couple that made me laugh out loud, but the best like little clip that I got ever was, I don't know what it was. You put on some sort of costume with like these ears as a Pokemon or something. I have no idea what it was, but as you're putting it on, you kind of lean into the camera and you're like, I'm a 32 year old. <laughs> you putting on. It like actually made me laugh out loud. It's like a flying squirrel costume. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. It literally made me laugh out loud when you said that. You didn't oh, recognize the flying squirrel costume, Justin? Come on. <laughs> I don't know what it was, man. It looked like a freaking, I don't know. I just, it, it was, I don't know what it was. I just saw ears and it was fluffy and big and he was trying to climb into it. And then while he's in the middle of putting it on, he just like leans in awkwardly. To the camera. <laughs> says, I'm, I'm a 32 year old and it just, oh, it was, it was very fun. Cool. Why solo cell found and why hardcore? So hardcore, just I, I've pretty much always played hardcore. It actually goes back all the way to Diablo 1, which I played hardcore. Now some people listening are thinking, wait a minute, Diablo 1 didn't have a hardcore mode. You're right, it didn't. Uh, in Diablo 1, when you died, you lost your items, but my computer was so unstable that very often it would blue screen and restart. And so, like, when I was able to play on the internet, that would always drop off too. So it was so frequent that when I died, I was in such a state of panic because I had to get back to my corpse before my connection or PC crashed. And I think I lost like 15 <laughs> characters worth of gear and I'd have to start over from scratch, basically. Um, so I was like, when Diablo 2 had hardcore, I was like, this is basically what I'd be playing anyway. So um, pretty much all the way since then. And I just really love the adrenaline that you got of like almost losing your character. Um, so I've always, that's always been very charming to me. As far as Solo Cell Fun is concerned, I kind of don't want to play it. I've actually been forced into Solo Cell Fun because I am a no-lifer and I'm very experienced with the game. So the normal game kind of becomes too easy for how I want to play the game. I find that I will very, very quickly get things like a headhunter and just absolutely blast. And I did, I did try having some like obscene goals. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to try to buy an Alpha's Hal. So that is like a skin on trans uh, standard you can buy. And I saved up, I think I saved up like five or eight mirrors. But either way, I, I grinded out five mirrors in eight days of playing. And then I had that. And I did in another league, I was like, wow. okay, let's see. Can I make 5,000 exalt? And I did that in like a week or two. So like when you're playing trade league, you can make an insane amount of money when you know what you're doing. Obviously, we're seeing like uh, MP and, and six people doing like crazy amounts there. And it was slightly different mm -hmm. on hardcore because on hardcore, if you're the only person that can farm bosses, you can make an insane amount of currency. So you're not doing the normal group thing for like rarity. I was just, I was literally the only person on the league that could farm Uber Ziri. So each disfavor would sell for half a mirror. So Interesting. And how did you say, deal? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say, I would say it's just a combination of that and the fact that Honestly, I think Impulsa is why I'm playing Solo Cell Fun. So I found Impulsa one time in Solo Cell Fun, or sorry, in, in Trade League. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited. And then I looked it up. It was 15 Chaos. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I found a Shavs later that day. And that was 30 Chaos. And I was like, I'm leaving, dude. Like, there was like, at some point in Path of Exile, there was nothing exciting that I could realistically find. It would be a mirror. It would be a headhunter. And other than that, there was no item that could possibly realistically drop that I actually I would get excited over. And that was very disappointing. 
And then I tried playing Soul of Cellphone. And I remember a build I was playing. I was really hard stuck. I couldn't find an Eye of Chayula. It's not a very unique at all. It's like one Chaos and Trading. It finally dropped. And I was like, oh my God, dude. And people are like, mm -hmm. dude, it's like one C. And I'm like, dude, I've been chasing this for two weeks. So I was so right. excited. And then I realized like Solo Cell Phone turns everything into a chase unique, everything into a chase item. And you just, you don't play around like, I want to play this build. You look at your stash and I'm like, this is really good for that build. I'm going to do that. And that was a more enjoyable mm -hmm. way for me to play the game. So nextly, I might be coming back to Tradely because the Uber Uber bosses are going to have really good uniques designed by yours truly and the other people that like kill the bosses for the event. Um, so they'll be worth farming now. And I think that'll be really exciting. Hmm. Interesting. I, I watched, uh, again, some of your videos and you got a lot of rip clips, obviously, because Dine's not uncommon in hardcore. <laughs> The thing I can't figure out as I watched it, maybe I'm kind of getting it a little bit more after talking to you, though, is you seem very calm when you lose a high-level character in hardcore. Like, I don't know, is it is it just you're used to it? Like, you know that's just what comes with playing hardcore. It's just, okay, I'm going to start up and make another one. I would say it depends. I've had a few rips that were very frustrating. There was one where I actually, like, slammed my, uh, not my keyboard, but I slammed the armrest. Because I was so upset because I had lost... It was not, it was not actually even that character I was upset about. I had just lost my... Probably my most perfect character at the time. My Essence String character with like plus six Essence String gloves. That like a level 31 ED. And I was so upset over losing that. And it was such a dumb death. I had just literally not looked at the screen and walked into a strongbox with DD. And I died. Yeah, I and saw I was that. so upset at myself. Like that's what gets me the most upset when I've just... I would say most of my deaths are my... Uh, mistake like 90 percent, but that one was just so stupid i was so upset because i do reach out a lot and i do try to focus on that and it was just a bad time to do it uh and then later that day like i was farming and i was already just sitting here seething i was like why am i so stupid why am i so bad and then i died to a revenant detonate dead because i didn't even see that my animate weapon went off screen and killed some corpses and the revenant dd'd them and I walked into it because I hadn't seen them spawn yet. I like flame dashed into them. And then I was like, oh my fucking God. And that was two of my precious characters. Like I loved both of those characters. And they both died within an hour of each other. So I was just so mad. So there I like lost my calm. I think it was the most watched clip I had. I think it got over a million views on Twitch. Was, uh, <laughs> sadly deleted with the DMCA apocalypse back when everybody did used to listen to music. Yep. But it is still on YouTube somewhere. And um, That's funny. I would say I do get more upset over people I would consider dumb or bad backseat analyzing my rip afterwards. That really upsets me more. Oh, like comments on it and stuff? Yeah, like people especially, looking at it and, oh, okay. especially if they're really unrealistic. Like on one of my recent deaths, somebody said he deserved to die. He's using a quartz flask, a highly questionable choice of a flask. He should have been using an amethyst flask instead. Whereas quartz flask, <laughs> Is the single most flask. That's why you see everyone using it, like Ben, Exile, me, Steelmage. Everyone is using Quartz Flask, unless you're Raider, which you don't really play on Hardcore. And nobody using Amethyst because it doesn't have damage reduction. It's only the Chaos Rest. So mm -hmm. that can be really frustrating, especially like pretty much most of a lot of the racers do this. We'll usually ask each other. They'll be like, we'll be like, is this, am I like, am I an idiot? Like, 
And then very often people be like, yeah, this is definitely on you. And, uh, but other times they'll be like, no, that's fucked. Because right now in this league, there are two monsters that are like 10 to 15 times stronger than any other monster, the Void Jaguar and the Minotaur. They're kind of fucked. So, yeah. Hmm. Definitely something I'm struggling with adapting to. So still a mistake on my part, but it is absolutely fucked. Hmm. I noticed too, quite often you, and you mentioned it too, where you like to interact lots, but I've seen that before where you, that leads to you dying because you've gone to read something or look at something and. Yeah. I mean, and, and that like me dying because of reading chat is always my fault because it's usually me choosing a bad time to do it. I am, mm -hmm. as I'm learning, trying to do some rules around it. Like. If it's a really juiced map, I'll try to avoid reading chat. Like, really, really good. It depends what monsters are in it, too. If revenants are in the map, I will never look away from the screen. The single most killing thing, it's like the Stygian revenants that do the Dead May Dead ability. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I am trying to get better at it, but I, I will always like prioritize reading chat more than living or dying. And even at the end of the day, I generally... My average deaths per hour right now is one death per 150 hours played. So the last few leagues, wow. including Gauntlet, I've had between three and five deaths. And I normally play between 500 and 1,200 1, hours is the most I've had in the league recently. So do you like have a cheat code to skip breaking the eggs? Because that's the worst. To me, if I pass breaking the eggs in hardcore, I just won the game. Screw the drops. I just, I did it. I got this as a merge so passion. With good. steel skills, I actually very careful on um on trying not to die there because honestly act one is very easy to die in now i find with steel skills it's very easy if you're a caster i will honestly try to off screen or like kill everything there it's very easy to die very easy to die there how'd you deal with hardcore when the game was a lot more unstable i remember like the game now is quite stable you don't worry too much about disconnects except for maybe the odd league launch but there was a time not that long ago where Disconnects were common enough that the idea of doing hardcore was, I don't know, I guess it'd be even more scary because you could just disconnect and sometimes that would result in a death. Uh, were you doing hardcore then or was that something you had to fight with? I was. I've actually always, I've uh, never played softcore except for okay. events like the BPL races that Badger does. Okay. That's the only time I play softcore or the man versus dream because I play blindfolded and that doesn't really mesh well with hardcore. Um, <laughs> But other than that, I've never played, I've, I've actually never played a softcore league ever. So I remember there was an event like that in like 2018. So even though I had multiple hundreds on hardcore, I got an achievement for playing the event. Like softcore character kill Kitava or something. I can't remember when it was, but it was just very late. And people were like, you didn't have that achievement? I was like, no, never played softcore. Uh, and actually it used to be more popular to play hardcore back when the game was more unstable, which is kind of ironic. Um, it was closer to 50% playing on hardcore. Um, and I would say right now, the game is probably in its more balanced state that it's ever been. And especially for us playing on hardcore, when you are building extremely defensively, there is literally only those two monsters that are like kind of seeing the Molten Minotaur and Void Jaguar because they have two more multipliers and most monsters don't have that. And they're a conversion monster. Other than that, even Arch Nemesis is pretty okay because it's nothing compared to the old Aura stacking. Even if you go back as recent as Heist, at the start of heist, people would like open a door and it would just be like 15 auras standing there like, yeah, see ya, buddy, and just one shot mm -hmm. you. Um, so I don't know. 
As far as disconnects going, I think I've always been very lucky in being in a connection that if I disconnected, I would always get out. I've only died to a disconnect two or three times in 23,000 hours of playing. So I very rarely had like those tragic deaths that you see like Garatha or Steel Mage have where they disconnect and they're like, no, no. And they're like trying to log in and, and they're dead because their character keeps them in. So I've always just had very few of those. You only have 23,000 hours played? What's wrong with you? It's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I have 22,001, so no biggie. Um, nice. No. <laughs> I figured you might. Figured you might. <laughs> it's A AFK. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Just, just trading. How do you motivate yourself each league? What's your personal goal each league? Character achievements, league challenges? So that what keeps you going sometimes. each league? Um, I would say PoE is probably so I really like repetitive games like in Diablo 2 I think I have between 13 and 15,000 hours just farming Mephisto that's over a longer time than Path of Exile though because I, I played Diablo for so long I still play it um and I regularly go back for like Path of Diablo and stuff um so instead of being over like you know like eight or nine years like Path of Exile that's over like 15 maybe 18 years of playing D2 but I still have an insane amount of hours playing that and that is so limited content is Basically just farming Mephisto over again. That's what I love. I just love doing it. Whenever I go back to Path of Diablo, I'll do like 200 hours of farming Mephisto and they'll be like, all right, done now. So I'd say PoE is so much easier for me because there is a greater variety and you get a new fresh thing every three months. So even if the league is literally dog shit, like heist or blight, um, I would say I enjoy it very much for at least a solid four or 500 hours. And then some leagues I like a lot less than others. So yeah, like I said, Heist and Blight, Delirium. Uh, Delirium mostly for performance issues, actually. I would see myself quitting very, very early after like only 500 hours. Or I would start doing like, oh, okay, I'll stream four or six hours of PoE today. And then I'll do like four hours of Tarkov or something else. Or just not stream. So I definitely did a lot of that. Do you find it affects you when you switch games? Oh, massively. Like I know some streamers say that they do. Yeah. Massively. Uh, if I'm streaming another ARPG, I can sometimes gain viewers because it's close to the end of the league or at least be very, very similar. Like sometimes the last depot can be like an increment in viewers for me. But if I stream things like Apex or Kerbal Space Program, I can easily go down to four to 600 viewers instead of two or 3K. Hmm. And that hurts. Like it definitely sucks, like both financially and mentally. But it's also yep. because I'm so comfortable with PoE that I can be playing hardcore and talking and telling a story, there's no problem. Right. But if I'm playing another game, I have to focus on that game. Uh, you brought up Gauntlet earlier. I wanted to talk to you real quick about Gauntlet. I'm curious where the idea came from. And then on top of that, is there is there a point where it gets too hard or a point where you go like, okay, we've, we've kind of hit, a, like, is there a cap? Because, I mean, Tyler and I don't play it. We look at it every league and go like, well, that's a cool idea, but no thanks. Because it's just yeah. not. I don't like hardcore anyway, and the idea of making it like infinitely harder, just I would rather stab myself in the eye. But uh, I'm kind of curious where the idea came from for wanting to do it. But then also, do you have an idea in your head of like, do we keep pushing the envelope or do you get to a point where it's like, okay, maybe we've made it, we've hit that limit? Right. So first it started with like somebody made like a, um, well, actually I, I made it privately where all the mods on and we tried a few, few people like PT tried things like that. And like, that was pretty common, just clicking all the damage mods. And then on the Chinese server, they invited us to an event where they had clicked all the mods and it was a bus kill event. Um, 
And that was very cool. And it was with prizes and stuff too. And I think Karatha won that one. And we had to play through a firewall and, and VPNs. It was like 200 ping, 240 ping. So I played a summoner because I was like, well, I'm going to focus on moving and staying alive. And that was very cool. So that's definitely a hard part of the early inspiration that like early China race. And then I was like, we should start doing this, but with not 250 ping because that was fucked. Um, and we started doing that. And I was like, we need to think of a cool name. And I really liked the World of Warcraft gauntlet uh, before Lotheb. There's like a gauntlet of monsters you have to run through. And I'd heard just really challenging things being called a gauntlet. Just like something you have to get through or endure. And I was like, well, this is going to be hell. So gauntlet is a perfect name for it. Um, and it started that way. And it started as a private league. With, uh, I think maybe the first, some of our first races only had a thousand people, then 2,000. And then eventually they kept scaling it up to like 10 and 20. And then eventually they were like, okay, we're just going to make it an actual league. Now it's uncapped, so we don't have to pay for slots and stuff. And the uh, most we've had now is 60,000 players for one gauntlet. As far wow. as difficulty goes, the gauntlet can be infinitely hard. And the reason for that is as long as people are able to do like Aziri and Shaper and any boss, that's fine because it's all about just getting as many points as you can before others. Like if you kill a Ziri and I can't, then you win. So it is actually okay with every difficulty. However, what we're looking for at this gauntlet is going to make the campaign easier. We want to make mapping easier. Still hard, like still going to be harder than normal hardcore. But we want to see a lot more people dying to bosses. We want bosses to be undoable where it'll be like, Oh my god, Steel Mage somehow managed to kill Shaper. Like, more like that level. So that's what we're hoping we can accomplish. We're trying to work with GDD on that right now. Not 100% locked in yet, but that's, like, the idea of what we would love to do. Um, but yeah, just because it's point-based, it can be infinitely hard. Are there mods that you've uh, come up with or wanted that they've just been like, nah, yeah, we can't do that? We wanted to do projectile speed. To make, for example, the X arc balls, shaper balls, etc., just very, very fast. Oh my and hard god! To dodge. Um, yep. You are a mean, mean man. Yeah. Well, you know, can't just help people. Tutorials <laughs> then kill people. You did the area of effect one, right? There was one where you did it like way bigger yeah, area last of effect. One, last one had AOE and uh, multiport, hundred percent AOE. Did that affect like shaper's beam? No, did not. Okay. So not everything can that... affect the end game bosses. Sure. But uh, we also asked for um, less spell suppression mitigation. So that instead of spell suppression cutting a spell in half, it would do 30%. And they didn't want to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But mostly they've done anything we asked for. For the last one, we were trying to like move away as Fizz is extra because it does break conversion monsters very hard. Uh, that's why we did 100% increased damage. And we went to GDD and I was like, hey, Chris, we're looking at either 100% or 150 increased damage. And he was like, okay, I'm going to talk to Q&A. They'll test it a little bit for you. Uh, a few days later, he's like, we're going with 100. 150 is fucked. <laughs> like, that's so awesome. That's not what we went with. And he was like, by the way, 100 is still fucked. Uh, someone might be able to do something. And I was like, that sounds great. Uh, the problem with that, and it was really fun, well-received, and nobody was able to finish the gauntlet last time, which was really cool. Um... And the problem was that we saw more people dying in maps and less people to bosses. So that's why we want to be like more area specific with things. We want to see people dying to bosses. Hmm. 
Now, on the flip side, um, you're one of the few streamers that has made it. Um, obviously, you mentioned before, there's always, there's thousands, millions of people that want to do what you do. And uh, it's really cool hearing how, you know, humble you are with the circumstances you were given and the opportunity you were given to, to be able to jump into how you did. What's, if you're comfortable with it, something that you struggle with? doing what you do and having made it what's the flip side of the coin for those that would like to be in your shoes so there's actually quite a lot um this is something i've gotten a lot better at lately um and and again i got a reference devin nash she has a lot of videos about like the behind the scenes of streaming and basically like why a lot of streamers struggle with like mental health and that is i'll, I'll just uh, re regurgitate the example he does so it's kind of I don't know if arrogant is the right way, but kind of unfair to feel this way. But this is something very, very common with streamers. And uh, let's say that you have, like, you're, you're a large streamer. You have a thousand viewers, right? And you're doing really well. You're pretty happy. You've gone from 500 viewers to a thousand. You're, you're doing great. You're making it full time. You're maybe making, let's say you're making like 50, 40K a year. You're already living your passion. And then something big happens to your game and you blow up. You go to three or four, K, let's say you go to 5K viewers actually, right? It's amazing. You're at the top of the world. You're feeling like a God and you're like, oh my God, it does not get better than this, but it does get worse. And then you go back down to 3K viewers. You feel miserable. Now you've already gone from 1K viewers to 3K, but this feels like a loss. And like, can you imagine getting a huge race like that at your job and feeling awful about it. This is incredibly common at streaming, but I don't know anyone that hasn't felt that way. Um, and it's because you get so used to setting like a new zero, a new normal that it will break you very often. A lot of PWE streamers struggle with this because you get five to 10 K viewers at launch and then it like dribbles out. So a lot of people are like close to the end of the league. They're like, my stream dying like am i bad like and, and i would say i'm mostly over that part myself now but that was something i really struggled with especially after setting the world record because that was the best my stream has ever been um which i i recently broke during that subathon you talked about with my uh with my wife I actually broke that record then but until then um that world record stream and it's obviously insanity to compare your regular streams to while you're sitting a world record the logic kind of goes out the window as well right so basically what happened i was doing the world record and i was getting 10k viewers per day and making insane amounts of money and ad revenue and donations loads it was like the time of my life i actually paid off my student loan in that month i made seventy thousand dollars in one month mm, uh, wow. and it was insane but then the next league start when i like I, I was not expecting everything to fall off so hard as well. I had like not set my expectations well enough because I had 10,500 subscribers and I was like, okay, well, before this, I was on 2K, I don't, or like 1.5K and I was not ready for it to go below what I was at before. And it went all the way down to 1,200. And I was like, maybe we'll stay at 3K now. Maybe so many new people have found the channel. Maybe I blew up. And it took me a year to get over. I even went to a therapist because I was really struggling with this. It's probably the closest I've ever been to being depressed. And it was weighing on me really heavily because as a streamer, again, another thing most streamers do is you tie your entire self-worth to your viewer number and, and what you look like on a weekly basis. 
not just like a monthly basis. Um, and, and people will treat you differently too. Like you'll notice like more other large streamers will come by when you're doing well and less will come by when you're doing badly. So not only do you view yourself differently, but you realize other people view you differently too. Um, and like I said, yeah, I started going to therapy. I tried three times. I definitely did not get the right therapist for me because I have a very competitive attitude. And I would tell them what I was struggling with. I was like, I'm not like, I feel like other people are doing better than me. I'm not being the best. And he was like, you need to be the best though. Like, what about doing your best? Which I took that personally. I was like, what do you mean? Is my best not the best? Like, so I was just very, uh, very upset over that because I am very competitive. And uh, yeah, it didn't end up working with me. And talking a lot more to like my, my good friend Devin Nash is probably what helped me get through it instead. And looking more at my stream at a 90-day window. So I, I never look at my seven-day window anymore. I always look like 90 days. How am I doing in the last 90 days? Um, and that does a lot better and is also more important. But um, I think to sum it up, that's definitely the worst thing. You tie your entire self-worth to, your, uh, to how you're doing. Is it, was there a solution though to that? Like now that you've changed it to the 90 days, can you, is it a little bit easier to look at how you're the doing and not be so hard on yourself? It was actually that people told me people like Pokimane and Hassan, who are 10 times bigger than me, are struggling with the same things. And then I realized I was never going to be happy with the current mindset. So I'm just right. thinking about it slightly differently. Hmm. That's good. Because I could imagine uh, that being really tough on people's mental health, especially if you already are predisposed to anxiety and depression. Yeah. That would get yeah. infinitely harder. Yeah. That's the only time I've experienced anything like depression. I'd say I'm like very happy generally, but that was hard. It's hard, especially when it's new for you too. Yes. Very. It was, I guess I just felt empty all day and I wasn't, I wasn't used to feeling like that. And another thing that's still fairly hard to deal with is just people shit talking you. I don't have the thickest skin. So, and I read every comment, like I don't miss anything in chat. I don't respond to everything, but I will read every comment. So when someone says something shitty, it'll really stick out. And it affects me a lot because some streamers will have a streamer persona that they put on. I find that very hard to do when I'm going to be live so much, right? I don't want to have a persona that's different than who I am in person. So I'm just putting myself out there and I'm, I'm literally myself. So I'm, I'm very... I try to be good with like, hey, you know, that's actually making me feel really shitty. And actually that does stop people from doing it surprisingly sometimes. Um, but yeah, shitty comments stick out a lot more because I'm like, well, this guy's being a dick and hates my content and I'm just being me. Is it, is, are you, do you have that personality where the, the few negatives will outweigh the majority positives? Like where they just, they sort of, oh, yeah. yeah, they sort of stick out much oh, more. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. With, with that, I mean... One of the things I was curious about, because you, I've seen tweets from you and I've seen videos where you're talking about maybe something that's going on in the game or something that you like or don't like. Do you ever have that doubt of putting something out there because of the response you might get, whether it is positive or negative from the community? Yeah. Like, the community tends to be very like, I don't know, sometimes they're just full of assholes and sometimes they're full of like nice people. But do you I, ever I've definitely guess or think about almost it? put out some angry tweets that I was like, I'm like, I'm going to regret this later and people are going to shit on me. And this is a dumb tweet. Don't post it. And then sometimes I listen to mm -hmm. myself. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I think so like, obviously like, yeah, it's very easy to get stun locked and just get hung up on one bad comment in chat. Very, I think I'm getting less patient with that now. I used to be a lot more patient with people. 
fuck. I guess like maybe maybe right now and maybe this league the the cup is a little half full or a little over full. So I'm I usually wouldn't ban anyone at all. And now I'm more happy to ban people. And if they want to apologize and get unbanned, they I will unban pretty much everybody. Um, so I'm trying to like be a little shorter fused with that just for my mental health. Totally. And if I'm reading comments on Reddit and there's a dumb comment and it's downvoted, it does not phase me anymore, pretty much. But if it's upvoted heavily and I think it's stupid and ask other friends that do like, you know, Steel or Ventrua or Gucci, I'm like, this is dumb, right? And they're like, yeah, they're, they have no idea what they're talking about. Then I'll be like, you're a fucking moron and reply usually. <laughs> Here is why. Oh, do you typically reply? Oh, I reply way too much. Way too much. <laughs> I reply to almost everything. Yeah. I actually, I Good for you. care. It's honestly probably my biggest flaw is I care way too much both positively and negative, what people say about me. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny earlier called said that I was humble in some ways because I don't consider myself humble at all. And I also like, I think it's kind of important to be proud about things sometimes. So I'm sometimes on, honestly almost the opposite of humble. Because uh, there are like some of the things I've achieved I am very proud of. Uh, and I know sometimes people will comment like it's kind of obnoxious when you brag. But for me, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if it's because I'm Norwegian, but... Having people be like fake humble kind of at least is very off-putting to me. I'd rather someone just be really proud of something they've done. I think it's okay to be really proud of something you've accomplished as well. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. So uh, I, I would not describe myself as humble. Do you, when you, when you reply to those negative comments, do you feel like you're doing, like actually achieving no. anything? Like, I just feel like sometimes it's not just at feeding. all. It's just stupid. Okay. <laughs> it's a character flaw. I just care way too much. Like I love yeah. seeing positive comments about myself and I hate mm -hmm. seeing negative comments about myself. And I actually, uh, um, so hoping to maybe shift their, maybe their view a little I'm bit. I'm hoping to prove people wrong on the internet. It's absolutely yeah. a dumb thing <laughs> by me. It's something I shouldn't do, but yeah. I, yeah. Go I get them. Maybe it'll work. Go get them. But I have, sometimes I will even get into Twitter DMS with people and talk for a long time. And whenever they're like, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. I'm like, that's the best screenshot ever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it makes it all worth it. That's right. Good for you. <laughs> Just has to work once. Hey, though, big this shout out. Hopefully the people it. listening actually catch on like it. Uh, shout you out for actually going to therapy, for seeking help, especially on your first time. There's so many people when they're struggling with something they'll have. Maybe it's how they were brought up or their culture they live in, but they have this negative connotation to needing to go to a counselor or a therapist. Right. And so kudos to you for... I, again, opposite of what you were saying, having the humility to actually go and seek right. help and do it from people that even you're close to. Sometimes it's really hard to be that honest with your struggles about people that you know really well, right? Like mm -hmm. the person that you said ended up helping you even even more. And so yeah, big shout out to you for doing that. And just on a side note here, like people, anybody listening, no matter your numbers, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to feel weak or like you're not doing it and it's okay to share it with people yep i think that's very important to say i, I think my dad helped a lot with that because i i know um a lot of my friends especially more more friends here in northern ireland um would have this but they grew up with dads that was like rub some dirt on it or their parents would would beat them to mm -hmm. discipline them whereas i didn't grow up with that i never never got a beating and never got disciplined in that way and uh my, my dad would always be like it's okay to cry it's okay to have feelings you don't have to rub some dirt on it. So I think I think that helped a lot there. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, looking forward, 
Uh, do you have goals for your stream or your career? Anything in the pipeline or is it pretty steady on now? So, yeah. So when I started streaming, my goal was to, for like a while, be one of the top 10 biggest streamers on Twitch. And I got basically ridiculed by that because I was saying that when I had 30 viewers. And then I managed to do that when I did the world record streams. Like for, I was like ranked eighth most watched streamer for 11 days. So wow. that was one of the early goals crushed. And now my long-term goal for streaming is I want to be known as one of the bigger streamers on Twitch. Like I want just random people to whenever you ask somebody like, so who are some big Twitch streamers? Oh, Pokimane, Zizarin, Summit, Soda Poppin, like Kriparian, Oh, Carnage. Like I want to be included in those names and people not go who Omega lol. I definitely like find that idea very appealing and, and just, yeah, becoming larger is obviously a very, very important thing for me. Um, other than that, I am just trying to slowly grow while preparing my content for Path of Exile 2. That is sort of the largest place where I have a chance of quote unquote blowing up. So yeah, I'm basically in full preparation mode for PoE 2. Switching to PoE for a bit, and I guess PoE mm -hmm. 1, even though we're all excited for PoE 2, what's a build have to do for you? I mean, you make epic builds. Your goal is to just never die and do the harshest content. What does a build have to do for a build to succeed for you? You know, it has to have this, this, and this. Otherwise, it's not good. So for me, builds are generally tools. And it used to be a lot more like this back in older Path of Exile where you would have a specific mapper and that map could barely, or that mapper could barely kill map bosses like Valspark. Like really bad against bosses. And it's like, oh, my Valspark didn't kill it. I'm just going to leave. And then I would have a separate lab farmer and I would have a separate boss killer. Um, whereas now I feel like my builds are a lot more omniscient. Like they will do everything. Like this is a good, like explosive virus, a good mapper. It's a good bosser. It can do lab. It can do heist. It can do everything. So I don't know. I'm mostly building builds that can do everything now and a bit more everything. Um, but I do end up with some, usually one really cool map character per league. So like last thing, that would be my Omni build with uh, the Omniscience amulet from Searing Exart. Uh, the league before that would be like an instacker. I really want to make an instacker this league or an omni build. Um, so yeah, it's definitely changed a bit. I would say like generally builds they can do everything, and and now you do want insane defenses. You want determination. You want grace, defiance banner, hundred percent spell suppression. Ideally, especially now, you really want to fit melding uh, for ninety max all res, and you somehow want to fit max chaos res in there too. So. It's it's a bit rough fitting everything right now. Yeah, and then and then there's something called damage that uh, it's kind of hard to find when you're focusing on all that too. For someone like me, yep, it's hard. It's very hard right now to do everything. Do you have a an old school build that just you loved but you can't play anymore? It just doesn't work. They've something's changed too much, but that you used to really. I, I did into? love old Winter Orb. It still kind of works on Softcore because you can just forego defenses and still get enough damage, but it's nah, not the greatest. Uh, I think probably one of the builds that I miss the most is either the Light Poacher Helmet as an actual build uh, with the Thoral Knives or Val Molten Shell before that got reworked where it would do a big damage AOE around you. That was really cool. Right, yep. How about some favorite uh, skills or nodes or classes, whether you play them or not? What's something that you're just like, ah, that's the best. That's just the best. I 
really love Inquisitor. I was just thought like all of Inquisitor was really cool. I love the like the balance between like you have Regen, you have the Balamage stuff, you have the crit nodes. I just also think it's really weird that Inquisitor Templar does not get increased critical strikes from the vendor. You have to buy it off like Act 6. Very strange. Why? As a crit ascendancy. But um, yeah, I definitely uh, really like Templar. Other than that, I really hate Spiritual Aid and all those nodes because you just get asked so much like, are we a totem? Why are we using minion nodes? Oh, sorry, are we a minion? Like, why are we using minion nodes? Is my totem a minion? Like, I don't know. Oh, it's such a pain. Anything like that. Uh, bringer of Rain, not really used anymore, but it used to be. They're like, hey, your chest is red. Careful. Or it's like, why are you not wearing a chest? It's like, mm -hmm. I can't win. And Thief's Torment for the same reason. Like, hey, did you know you only have one ring? It's like, yes, <laughs> I am aware. It's probably harder as a streamer, sure, because yeah, people are constantly it's like... only a streamer problem. <laughs> yeah. So whenever they introduce something like that, I'm like, oh, no. We're going to get questions. You got to have it as one of those, like, commands or whatever you guys use. Yeah. That's actually why I started creating YouTube videos, was so people would ask me less questions. Did that work? <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> Good motivation. Nope. nope. <laughs> Not even a little. Got more. Uh, if you could... If you, yeah, I'm sure there probably are more. If you could uh, remove any mechanic from the game, what would be the mechanic you would Boy, remove? Jaguars. Does that count? No. Well, no. Well, let, okay. I yes, don't know that what counts, that is. What else? What? Um, so the red altars, like the red influence altars, have two insane monsters called Void Jaguar and Molten Minotaur. Void Jaguars are actually scarier. They're the single scariest monster in the game um, and has insane scaling. So if it gets any fizzes extra, can be from the Arch Nemesis mobs, from altars you touch. I actually had avoided altars entirely on my last character. And then it got an Arch Nemesis mod and killed me. And I was like, I can't. I'm so upset. That's just uh, the Syrian ones? Uh, yeah, it's only on the red yeah. one. The blue one has yeah. no dangerous monster. And there's no similar dangerous monster in the rest of the game. It's only the red altar. And I have to do the red altar because I want omniscience. Uh, oh, oh, right. And SSF. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Shooting myself in the foot repeatedly. All right. So let's say that gets okay. that mob gets removed. But what mechanic in the game? Um, honestly, I don't really like all of Arch Nemesis that much, but the, uh, not Entangler. What's the totem thing called again? I can't remember. The, the thing that links to you with Reflect, I can't remember the name right now. Effigy? Effigy. I hate Effigy. Yeah. What an awful. awful design and awful concept. Even after the nerf, it's still so stupid, but it was insane to me how at the start of the league, I don't know if you saw, there were a couple of people that died to this on Hardcore where they would open a box with three rare monsters and detonate dead. It would spawn effigy, and then it would insta-detonate all the monsters and just insta-kill the player because the, the detonate dead reflected. Right. So even if you were in a reflect build, you would just die. There was nothing you could do. Yeah, okay. I agree. I don't like effigy either. It's awful. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't die to it. It's just I saw so many deaths, and I'm like, I am terrified of this. There's nothing you just don't I can know do. sometimes. Sometimes you can't even tell that it's there. Yeah, it's visual clarity and PoE is at an all-time low. Now, this is probably the most important question. Outside of all the mental health stuff, maybe even including, do you have a Path of Exile tattoo? And if I don't. I have no tattoo. If you would get one, what would it be? Ooh, maybe a Siege Axe, just to commemorate Torment Ren, the, uh, the mirror, mirror where the axe I made. Um, other than that, just Mirror Calandra is pretty iconic. That's true. Hey, you just mentioned that axe. Was uh, I have to ask you because my son knows who you are. Actually, when we went to 
Uh, I took him to XLCon. We do too. Okay. We do too. But but he uh, he knows much more, and he's watched you for a long time. And Mm. when we went to XLCon, he pointed you out because we were hanging out with people. I met Tarky when we were there. We've talked to him before too. But uh, uh, he said something about this undisputed. And I think he showed me a clip of you like yelling undisputed best acts in the game or something to that effect. Did that happen? Was that the was that the motivation for the design that you made? Like, did you do that before you had designed the card? Because you have the card that's called Undisputed or something, right? Yeah. Um, So that that div card was designed afterwards. Yeah, because um, I never wanted to create a one handed axe. I was actually crafting two handed axes at the time and then a person in my chat called Mitchie Bird said, why don't you ever craft one-handed axes? And I was like, fuck it, I'll make a one-handed axe then. Uh, and then I basically accidentally made Torment Rend. So that, that's why I made the div card. I was like, okay, I'm just going to make a div card for a Valax with Elder on it with Merciless already rolled. Maybe that'll make it easier to craft because I still play Trade League, so I just buy the other cards. And I, I thought it'd be a fun reference too. Yeah, the video was hilarious when he showed it to me. Yeah, it was. It had, it had like multiple steps because it was like, first, it became the best axe, but only technically. There was another axe that had slightly more PDPS, but my axe had culling strength. So mine was disputed. Like it was, it was the best, but not if you were playing Duelist. So that's why like people were like, oh, your axe is actually disputed on standard. Like there is somebody that has one that's two DPS more. And I was like, yeah, but mine has cooling strike. People are like, yeah, but if you're dualist, if you're slayer, doesn't matter. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> and then Dan was like, Wee Dan, dirty Dan, was like, do you want the almost best axe in the game, Cizrian? I was like, no. <laughs> I also don't want a shitty, like, bricked axe either. And he was like, do it. And I was like, you know what? I can't settle for second best. And I slammed that exalt and I hit tier two attack speed. And it just became, like, so much better. And I was just like... Undisputed. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's how it started. When was that? What league was that? Do you remember? I can check. I think it's 2016. It was in Abyss League. Uh, Cicerone forging of torment. Rend. It was four years ago. So that is 2018, 12th of January. How how do how would you know uh, what it compares to other people's axes? Would it just be based on what people have said they have? Like how would um, yeah, you just check. So anyone running a mirror service on standard would list it publicly for one mirror and they're like mirror oh, okay. threads and stuff sure. like that. That's awesome. Yeah. The video made me laugh. And, uh, I think, I think he actually, I remember we went, when we were in XLCon, he told me, he's like, Oh, I said, hi to Ziz. I'm like, Oh, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> that, was a, that was a surreal experience. It was funny. Eh? Were yeah. you there for longer than just the event? Like, did you yeah. go early? Did you stay later? Stayed for a month. That's oh, actually wow. where I uh, proposed to Helena. Oh, cool. At XLCon. Yeah, well, no, we uh, we took a helicopter ride um, to a little island. So first first we went on a helicopter tour of Auckland. And uh, when we landed, we saw that they had loads of fishing equipment. And Helena was like, what's all the fishing equipment for? And they were like, oh, we also do like these tours where we take people out for six hours, four hours to an island. They fish and they get to keep the fish and eat it afterwards. But it's pretty expensive. It's like 700 New Zealand dollars. Um, and I was like, huh. And then I messaged Twitch and I was like, hey, I have this really cool idea. And I want to propose to my girlfriend. And you guys want more 
IRL content streamed. Would you guys pay for this? And they're like, 700 New Zealand dollars? Yeah, that's like 50 sure. American. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so they paid for the trip and I brought other streamers with me too and we live streamed it. And then they were like, in case the internet goes, record it. And it did. So we had to like rebroadcast it on Twitch later. Um, but then I proposed to her on that island out there. It was very cool. That's really oh, that cool. Is cool. Good for you. Yeah, that was a fun, a fun time. You can do a golem voice? You said that at the beginning. Would you like Turtles? to do... Oh, oh, oh. It's, I heard some it. More, some more. Turtles. Turtles. Parcels. Turtles. And Riddle. I don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. You're my favorite. I can't imagine trying to do that for a whole stream. Oh. No, I, ma- <laughs> I would have died. Was that, did you, pra- did you practice that? Or like, was that just no, a thing? No, just whenever, like, hey, somebody, whenever somebody asks, I, I didn't even realize I could do it. I'm not that good at impressions. And one of my moderators, Vouch, literally nails it. Like, I cannot tell him apart from the original. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, hey, listen, we've uh, taken up a bit of your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. It's been a blast chatting with you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Mm-hmm. This has been what episode 139, Forever Exile, the Path of Exile podcast. I'm Justin AK Tags. Tyler Wrecker of Days. We will have all of Zizarin's information down below. You can catch us on the uh, website, foreverexile.com. We're on Twitter, foreverexile82. We have a Discord and uh, all of our Patreon info is down below. Patrons will catch you in After Dark. Everybody else will see you next week in 140. Bye.